All right, you guys ready? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Okay, one, two, three. Oh, I was way off. One, You did two. the countdown. How are you way off? That means the rat. Well, I was trying to be polite. You guys were off. <laughs> California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. It is officially week nine of our semester of revisiting season two of the OC. My name is Ryan Drake. I am coming to you from gorgeous Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where there may or may not be weather in the next hour. Who knows? Um, also in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, my our I'm sorry, our third wheel. Dylan Irwin. Hello, Dylan. Hello. How are you doing? I'm excited Hello, about Dylan. the weather. It is tornado season Hello, here in Oklahoma. Dylan. I, I legitimately cannot believe, I can't imagine how you all feel since you have to be on the other side of the uh, of the microphone, but I cannot believe we are already on episode 17 and 18. Like, we're almost done with the second season. That well, blows my mind. It's interesting to me that the Trey story starts so late in the season. I felt like it kind of took up the whole thing, but... Yeah. I agree with you. Our our captain, our mm-hmm. favorite person on this podcast, the oh, star, captain, the breakout captain. star. Yeah. When you go to cameo.com slash keeping up with the Coens, the only person you will uh, get a cameo <laughs> from is, of course, Chelsea Trinidad in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, Chelsea. Should I list myself on cameo? Like, wouldn't it be kind of funny? No, actually, uh, I have a good friend named Sarah, and she just started TikToking during the pandemic, just you know, similar to me, but she was a complete breakout star. She was like Hannah Montana because she had millions of TikTok followers, and none, none of our friends in real life knew. The only one who knew was me. And I was like, why aren't you, like, telling people about this? This is really fucking cool. And she was like, oh, I don't know. I'm so weird. Like, I don't, I'm just not sure. And finally, she TikTok. she did it. So now she's a, a star on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm so jealous. She has, like, the swipe up feature. And she's, like, full on. Does she listen to the podcast? Does she want to come on the podcast? <laughs> I should talk uh, to her about that. I think she is a no see no. fan. And she's moving back to Tulsa. So oh. there's no reason for her not to be. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about these episodes. Let's talk about the OC. We are covering episodes. What are they, Dylan? 17 and 18? 17 and 18. 17 and 18 today, and I gotta say, uh, I agree with what Chelsea said. I forgot. I like the Trey storyline in my head is always this one that I'm like, eh, it wasn't even that good. I don't care about it that much. But these two episodes were pretty fun, and I for- I also forgot that they come so, so late in the season. Like, I thought it was like half the season. It's barely like a quarter of the season. But like the second episode in particular that we're covering today, The Risky Business, is so dumb and nonsensical and literally just doesn't make sense on a lot of levels but it's so much fun that i really enjoyed it yeah no it's just really fun it had like season four energy i fucking i was here for it it did because i was thinking about it it's like our favorite friends all hanging out just like in a situation hijinks happens um it's silly and i would say it's the last lighthearted episode of the entire season that we get probably yeah it's like the deep it's it's the deep breath before the plunge <laughs> yeah, it's also, but like, yeah, we're like, we're like deep into Trey territory. Like, Trey is officially here. I feel like we've been teasing it since episode one. They're like, oh, Trey, Trey's no, coming. Trey's coming. Uh, Trey's here. Trey? 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 
Mr. Trey? Uh, what are you doing here? This is supposed to be at the Chino Correctional Center in Southern California. Let's get into it, shall we? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. We will begin with episode number 17, The Brothers Grimm. The Brothers Grimm features Sandy Cohen on screen for 12 minutes and 44 seconds. Dylan, t- talk to me. Do the thing. <laughs> so, The Brothers Grimm originally aired on March 24th, 2005 to 8.6 million viewers and was written by J.J. Philbin, who is a woman, and I will never forget that. So, basically... Much like Malcolm X converted to Islam while in prison, Trey managed to convert into an entirely different actor, but it's okay. Continuity is just a construct of time, which is fake anyway. Bleeding Heart Sandy invites Trey to stay at the Casa del Cohen because conflict moves a plot forward. And speaking of conflict, Zach is back. All right, from his season abroad, sporting a new ride and a new girlfriend that uh, totally exists, causing things to heat up like overpriced Italian espresso between Seth and Summer. Meanwhile, Caleb goes full art of the deal and confronts Lance. Trey goes aggro on a member of the service industry, and Julie's big premiere thrusts her into the spotlight in a different way than she intended. Get it? Thrust? It's a sex thing. Anyway, let's sit down and open up this gritty Newport fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm. So, Trey just right out of the gate is back in our lives. Um, Not your best. Not your best intro. It wasn't. I wrote it right before, (laughs) right before this, right before this. But I just wanted to disrupt you. Chelsea's asleep, by the way. I just wanted to disrupt you. I'm not. I'm sorry. I can. If I if I don't get disrupted, I will just keep talking. So it's probably a good thing. So Chelsea, it's fine. If you want to go to sleep, I support it do it ryan and i can do this ryan and i can just you're gonna wake back up and ryan and i are going to somehow started fighting each other physically through zoom Mm -hmm. so sandy um comes back to the house and sandy has dinner he has chicken parm and he is passing out food to everybody um they sit down they start enjoying some chicken parm and then (laughs) lo and behold there is a cell phone uh ringing house phone Oh, it's a house phone. Wow. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. That's intentional, probably. So, um, phone rings. It's for Ryan. And we know that whenever it's for Ryan, that means it can only be one person played by many actors. And it is Trey. <laughs> Trey is getting out of prison and he wants to see his brother, a.k.a. he doesn't have anywhere to stay. He needs a ride and all this stuff. So um, they go to pick up Trey. They go. So and that's see like Trey a real. A, I mean, I don't know. I haven't had to like pick up anyone from prison, but I'm guessing that's a very real thing. Like you just kind of get let out with the things that you arrived there with. I spent a night in jail once, and they do just give you your, the stuff you came in with at the end of the day. When you leave, they just give you like a bag that had like my clothes in it. Cause I had to change into fucking prison clothes. <laughs> Wait, what kind of prison clothes do they make you wear? I had to wear like the. I just they gave me like a specific um, t-shirt and like sweats, kind of like sweatpants to wear. And I had to, the shoes. I remember the shoes specifically were like basically Crocs. Oh, because you can have shoelaces. Um, my yeah, friend like slides. My friend got pulled over for a. I think she was speeding, but then whenever he pulled her over, her car like smelled like a head shop. <laughs> Um, so she got arrested and they made her take off. She was just in like the drunk tank holding cell, but they still made her take off her bra. This is when I was like a freshman in college. And I remember she was telling me this whole story and was just like cracking up about it. And like, obviously now if that happened to one of our friends, we'd be like, oh, fuck. We ought to get their life, like a real intervention. Um, Because you could use, you could use the underwire to pick a lock. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't know if it was like you could shank someone with it. I swear or I'm not trying to. Or to mix your toilet wine. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. So yeah, they go to the jail and they pick him up. And I think this is interesting for those of you who have listened to the um, Welcome to the Podcast Bitch podcast that just recently came out in recording timeline. Oh yeah, can we? Okay, actually, sidebar. It's, yeah, uh, it's a good show. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. I it was wild to me how many things they talked about that we had also previously talked about. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of times where I was like, holy shit, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but one of the things that, that I think Josh Schwartz brought up about why he chose Chino um, as kind of the wrong side of the tracks place, because since it's a real place, you kind of have that, you don't want to attach that stigma there unnecessarily. And he said that one of the reasons he chose it was because there is a prison in Chino, um, which I thought was really kind of cool and forward thinking. I also didn't know he was like 26 or 27 or something like that. And he's he was the youngest showrunner yeah, at the time. That ever. was really cool. That's insane. So um, they pick him up. Um, Trey has, a whole, and by they I mean Sandy and Ryan pick Trey up. And there's this whole you know running gag where you know Trey walks out. So like, whoa, that's a nice car. Whoa, this is a nice house. Wow, this is great. Um, but before they get to the house, um, Trey is staying with a buddy. And so Sandy and Ryan drop Trey off with the buddy. Christmas lights are up for some reason. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just because that house had Christmas lights up. But then I saw them later at the Cohen's house. And it's April, according to Seth's calendar. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. It just annoyed me. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah but, I didn't notice um, Christmas lights either. You will now and you will forever. But... Of course, the bro or, uh, or 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 whoever that Trey was going to be staying with was not there. And so mm-hmm. uh, the plot forces the brothers together and they all end up going to stay at the Coens. So that's kind of what's going on so far in Ryan, Trey, Sandy world. How are you all feeling at this point? What do you think um, about Trey? So I think it's kind of cool because we are re-experiencing um, Newport and the Cohen's like lifestyle through a Chino person, um, but mm-hmm. kind of the opposite of Ryan. Like obviously, the day we met Ryan, we knew he was going to be our protagonist. We knew he was going to be good at heart. Like literally, the first line of the show tells us that he's brilliant and has potential. But Trey, we do not know about that. The only, like everything that every interaction we've had with him has been negative. Um, but I think that they wanted you to intentionally feel unsure about Trey. Like you want him mm-hmm. to do the right thing, but you just have a bad feeling about it. Yeah. This was the first time in a, in a while on the show that they don't, they don't just introduce someone brand new out of the blue, but like, well, here's a new character and they're going to have a, they're going to have a thing. Like I actually felt mm-hmm. this was the first time in a while. I felt like, okay, we know we at least have known about Trey and now it's like his, his time to come into the show and be a person in the show. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just some person that pulled up in a car. It's like, oh, it's Lindsay. Oh, I'm Lindsay. And now I'm going to do Lindsay things. And then I'm going to leave. How many? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Are we at six characters that we've lost at this point in our in memoriam section of the podcast? We lost. Du- I know we lost Dustin. That was the first character that we lost. <laughs> I think about him every day. And they brought it up. Yeah, on, they did bring it on the up. podcast. So I'm glad that. Uh, I, I, I'm sad that Dustin got kicked out of the show because it would be too difficult logistically. I'm like, come on, make it happen. Uh, we it's lost a dog. Dustin, Luke. Uh, who was the girl? Maxim girl. Maxim Hot 100 girl. What was her name? Oh, um, Grandma. Rachel. Um, Gabrielle. Yeah, Rachel. No, I was, thinking yeah, about Gab- Ra- I was thinking about Rachel. I was thinking about Rachel from uh, Sandy's like first season. 
Yeah, she disappeared for no reason. She just, like, she's just gone. Dustin, Luke, Rachel, Tate, Lindsay. Donnie. Uh, Don, well, Donnie doesn't really count. I didn't see it. He was like, he was like, if you should be on at least more than one episode, I feel like, to count as someone yeah. that we lost, technically. Uh, Anna. Yeah, Anna. Lindsay. Uh, Alex. DJ. TJ. That's a lot. That's a lot of people that just write in and out of the show. I'm just saying. That's why it was refreshing to see, like, okay, Trey, we know who this is, at least. Speaking of seeing someone that we knew and someone coming back, we're at Harbor now. Zach is back. He shows up riding a Vespa. <laughs> yeah, this the is most fucking Italian weird. <laughs> yeah. It looks like he's parking. Like, there's no way that that's just on, like, that's, like, level, like, like ground floor that he's parking in. He had, like he had to have gone upstairs to get up to he this ca- point. He, he carried his up Vespa the up. No, I think he rode his Vespa up the stairs and just to park it in a cool mm-hmm. spot outside the fucking coffee shop. He's back from Italy. Um, he speaks Italian. He talks about how great the trip was. He talks about Zach. his uh, yeah, Newzak, uh, who's dating uh, Francesca. Sounds a lot like Muzak. Bad Muzak. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to believe in all of this. I wanted to just believe that he's fine and he's moved on. He's got a hot new girlfriend. I would have just, I would have loved that actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. And she became part of the crew. Uh, these last couple episodes also made me realize just how much I miss Luke and Anna. God, especially Luke. Uh, you, do you really miss Anna though? I don't, I don't miss uh, Anna at all. I, I just miss having like a bigger crew, like a bigger group of people to hang out with and hijinks with, you know? I feel like, at least in these two episodes, especially in the next one, Trey becomes kind of a, a chill member of the of the group. And I really find myself liking Trey in these two episodes. So we kick it to Adult World, mm-hmm. and we have, of course, uh, the Rocketeer and Kirsten, who were super stressed because the magazine's about to be launched, and they're looking at an ad um, for some marketing that they're going to show. You're the only person that knows what the Rocketeer is, by the way. There's someone out there who may or may not be Harold that's like, yeah, Rocketeer, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so they're putting together a video, um, a promotional video for the magazine. And Julie seems a little bit spacey for good reason. Um, she has to somehow raise $500,000, um, to pay off Lance to make sure that the deal that Sandy got done for her in the last episode actually happens, makes the porn identity disappear. Um, what so a she great reala- name. We didn't appreciate, I didn't appreciate yeah, the name last week. The porn identity is wonderful. <laughs> yes. No, and but so, I'm a little um, bit confused because the Born Identity movies were way after that was filmed. Uh, no, they were, were, they they? were No, no, she means, um, oh my gosh, you're right. When was, the Born Identity was a book first. Oh, but, was it? Okay. I, no, but that's a really good point. Why would they mm-hmm. name, why would a porno from the 80s be called the Porn be Identity and be book? about someone with amnesia if oh, the I book forgot the it was I forgot it was from the 80s. I, I oh just, yeah, gosh. that's a jam. Chelsea's just ripping open the space-time continuum. Wow. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. That's why she's the MVP of this podcast. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. So, yeah. uh, the so, Porn Identity so, book was definitely not around when that put the porn. Maybe, maybe they named the Born Identity after <laughs> Julie's what? video. What the no the born identity is the non-porn version of the porn identity. It's like it's opposite. They just did it the wrong way. But um, Julie doesn't want it to leak. She doesn't want it to get out. She doesn't want anything to happen. So she's a little bit distracted. She's realizing that she can't raise five hundred thousand dollars. So she's going to have to do the unthinkable. She's going to have to talk to her husband. So she doesn't um, have so, that and like alimony. I guess Jimmy had no money for alimony, did he? Mm-mm. You think she's making Jimmy pay like alimony? No, you well, once you get married, that's null anyways. Yeah. 
especially when you get married to someone like Caleb, who definitely can afford to help you upkeep. Your also, lifestyle. yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I feel like if you start fucking your ex-husband, then that kind of cancels out like leg- yeah. legality and stuff. Like, yeah, okay. that's I might be wrong. This but. is your alimony. Mm-hmm. Um. So she goes and talks to Caleb, and Caleb is wearing what I hope is the outfit of the episode. He is wearing a candy cane red and white dress shirt with a red tie. And they're eating... God, what are they eating? They're eating some kind of shellfish for lunch. And for some reason, that just bothered me so much. So but it's like it's like the candy man is eating a, a crawfish boil for lunch. That's what it was. Crawfish, your favorite, oh. I think, is what is what Julie said. Oh, one, one of my favorites. That wasn't the outfit of the episode, but I'm giving an honorable mention. Good for Caleb. Not a lot of people can walk around like a, um, you know, a part of a barbershop quartet and pull it off. So good for him. So in my, uh, in my recent, in my, the, the deep dive I just did while Dylan was talking because I tuned him out and I looked up the Born Identity. It was directed by Doug Lyman, who was the executive producer for 27 episodes of the OC. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with Ryan tuning me out because I know he has to listen to these episodes when he edits them. So he has to listen to me twice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Caleb is going to just pay it. He's really nice. He's like, yeah, I'll get it done. I just want to say Julie's amazing in these two episodes. I love her in these two episodes. She's me the too. best again. And like the, the way she told Caleb when it was just a list of things that she just kind of tossed it into the middle there was, was really great. And his reaction was, he goes, so you did a pornography? I mean, his reaction wasn't horrible either. <laughs> so you, you know? did a pornography. Yeah, no, he said something really <laughs> weird my like favorite, that. That's my favorite <laughs> reality show on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I feel like I kind of jumped the gun, which I never do, um, regarding uh, the girlfriend, Zach's girlfriend. That's totally real. He actually doesn't tell. Yeah, he doesn't tell Summer and Marissa. Instead, he tells Seth, which I think, I mean, his motives become clear later in the episode why Mm -hmm. he tells Seth. But I feel like prior to that point where you find out he tells Seth just so Seth will tell Summer. It seems kind of strange that he's just like, hey, man, everything that kind of went crazy, you know, Summer left me at the airport to come and be with you. But anyway, here's a really big secret that I don't want you to tell her about. Well, I think I think it makes a lot of sense because, like he said, the whole reason why he wanted to do that is just because he didn't want it to be awkward, which that's happened with me before. Like something bizarre happened and I was just kind of like, let's just like move on. So I, I understand from that aspect. And then also whenever he let it slip about the co- the teacher that he kissed at El Squid Row in Cabo. So he knew that it was going to get back to summer. So that was very calculated. That's what I was going to say is that like um, with Zach and Trey in these two episodes, you're kind of left in the middle of like, are they actually like being good people or are they like kind of being manipulative right now? The deal is, though, I feel like Zach always has earnest intentions. Like, I think Zach's a genuinely good I don't know if he does in these two episodes. I feel like these two episodes, at least, I was getting a lot of, like, oh, Zach's upset about the Summer Seth thing, and he's going to fucking, he's going to be their friend to their face, but also kind of pull some strings to get them mad at each other. We get this amazing scene back at uh, the pool house where Seth, of course, is doing his usual debrief with Ryan, or at least he thinks he is. And he goes into the pool house to start to talk to uh, Ryan first about Trey, about, you know, is he scary? What's he like? Tell me about it. Did prison change him? Blah, blah, blah. And of course, um, it's not Ryan that's in the pool house now. Trey is actually going to stay in the pool house. And we have a legitimately tense interaction, at least by my estimation, between Trey and Seth. And... I'm going to grab a blanket. I'll be right back. She's not coming back. 
she's leaving. That was that was her that was her goodbye. She's zero percent chance we see Chelsea today. That was she's 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 going to the store to buy cigarettes. So yeah, I've, uh, Chelsea, we can hear you. Oh, Chelsea, sorry, we can I hear got, you. Well, I I can hear you too. I was just. Well, like, then why <laughs> did you interrupt Dylan in the middle of his? Because <laughs> you can't. You you can hear me, but like I love the, it when you defend my honor, Ryan. The, I love it. But the audacity can't hear me. And I just sent you a tweet where you can look at Caleb's candy cane shirt. Because I'm very I love excited it. about this. Um. So as I as I said, interestingly enough. Uh, Seth was pretty much running the risk of talking himself into just a weird vortex. And luckily... I'm sorry. I know that we have already derailed. Dylan, why do you have this tweet ready to go when it's from 2015? No likes, no retweets. It's you, How did you find this? There's no name. There's no name check of Caleb anywhere. Well, I uh, it's, it's time to give a shout out to AnonymousEagle.com that uh, supplied me with this fantastic link. Oh, so again, God. Anonymous Eagle. So they linked to a tweet that had no action on it? Yes. I will say, I remember one of Dylan's tweets from years ago that I just thought was so funny. So it's always embedded in my head. And it was when it was on Grammys night and you were talking about how Katy Perry was singing about a dark horse and then a literal dark horse like rolled onto the stage. Yeah, it was the dark horse. That's who the song's about. Man, you were that like, freaked me too, out. You were like, this is too much. I've aged out of this. It was, it was so weird. Oh, my gosh. I feel like there's good um, Ryan ones, too, that I have, like, ingrained in my brain that I just can't think of right now. There was an era of Twitter where it's like I had Ryan Drake and Rob Delaney alerts on. Mm-hmm. And every time I would get an alert, I would just go, it's <laughs> a great tweet. And... I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that era to come back. And I feel like it is. Um, Ryan and Sandy walk in and save Seth from himself. And Sandy's just like, hey, you probably need some toiletries and clothes and stuff. So here's a fat wad. And he gives him all this money. The money shot. He gives him a lot of money. Yeah, he he gives him a lot of money. It's like 500 bucks or something. And uh, they end up going shopping. And because they're going shopping, they end up calling Marissa. And Marissa comes over. And they all go shopping at what I thought was the buckle at first. And I'm going to pretend it was the buckle. Yeah, or I don't Um, think that they call Marissa because Marissa says something like, Oh, yeah, Seth told me you guys were here. And I thought you could use my help. Well, Ryan told Seth to call Marissa. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, that was kind of like yeah. some exposition that I wasn't sure. But that also just made me like jealous. I wish I was the person that my friends would call when they needed to go shopping. <laughs> it's fine. It's whatever. I'm going to start calling you. Everyone who's listening, if you need to go to the mall, um, Oklahoma City or Tulsa, uh, Ryan will travel. Um, just let him know. <laughs> I think like, here's my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. 444. But um, so before we actually go to the mall, I feel like it's important to let everyone know that as we've alluded to and possibly said... Um, sorry, there's a guy riding down my street on one of those Paul Blart segways. It's just a segue. Forever change. No, it's a, it's a Paul Blart segue. By the way, I found I found a podcast today. Oh, my that, God. That, 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 they only post one episode every year, and it's just a whole bunch of dudes watching Paul Blart Mall Cop on, on Thanksgiving and talking about it for an hour and a half. So check it out. <laughs> anyway, um, Seth spills the beans about Francesca who totally exists to Summer and Summer gets jealous. That's what you need to know that's going on right there. So we're back at the mall. We're at the buckle and they're shopping 
Um, Trey sees a watch that costs $200, and the entire time there's this little kind of nefarious-looking gentleman who's honestly just doing his job uh, floating around in the background trying to figure out why these hoodlums, why this guy with a shirt with, with no sleeves on it, if I remember Inland correctly. Street Thugs. Yes, why in the world they are in his buckle. Um, but uh, nothing really comes of that initially. Uh, Marissa shows up and immediately takes charge, grabs a random shirt that she sees immediately when she walks in and gives it to Trey and says, hey, go try this on. And Trey does that thing that he constantly does in these episodes, which is he kind of looks a little bit like a meerkat and he just kind of looks around with a weird look on his face. And he's just like, yeah, oh, oh, oh. he does that a lot. And he uh, so he goes into the dressing room, which is a perfect time to ask this question. I mean, I'm, I bet the answer is going to be no, but. Does anyone else feel really uncomfortable and weird about how much skinnier Trey is than Ryan when Trey's the one that's been in prison? Don't they have bad food at prison? No, yeah. they have three. You get three square meals a day. Is this just one of the things that bothers me? Yeah, I can tell by your reactions that it's just the thing that bothers me. Okay. I mean, they don't really look that. I mean, that's like the the tenth thing that they don't have in common. Like, they don't even yeah. look alike. But that's true. I mean, Dylan, this kind of reminds me of when people are like, what? You're the older sister, but you're shorter? It's like, dude. <laughs> I will say that it's either, I think it's the next episode where it shows where Ryan is sleeping and he's not wearing a shirt. He's got his arms like up over his head. Yeah. Dude is fucking jacked. Yeah. Like, yeah. that dude is ripped. Yeah. Um... So anyway, Marissa hands him what is definitely a small shirt and he goes to try it on, which gives Ryan and Marissa a chance to do some playful flirting. Um, They go over to the hats and I'm going to let Ryan take it from here because this is where the podcast, excuse me, this is where the the show and I guess the podcast in a way becomes incredibly self-aware because there's a very specific hat um, that Ryan um, has and that Marissa has. Uh, yeah, it's a very specific hat. It looks terrible. Ryan grabs it. Uh, no, sorry, Marissa grabs it, puts it on Ryan's head, and says, "You look really cute." And then Ryan says, "Oh, I thought ugly hats were your thing." And uh, we've, as we've covered, ugly hats are in fact her thing. She has worn perhaps the ugliest hat I've ever seen earlier this season. Yep, with the it green looked, bow. <laughs> it looked so much like that hat, except this one was a snapback version. So instead of a bow, it had a had the snapback in the. Tr- uh, it's just it's so bad and i really kind of want still one had, it still had shrek energy mm-hmm. though. i really i really want to find a way to get our logo on t public and find a way to put it on one of those hats so we can all wear them when we have our live event at the speakeasy oh my gosh i'd love it ryan can wear his backwards so the bow is right here oh yeah oh yeah so um you know they're still they're shopping they're doing their thing and so i briefly want to go back to adult world where julie is back to being julie because she's no longer worried about the porn identity um being exposed porn identity is the new malpasode <laughs> yes the porn identity um and so because she's being playful she realizes that well i guess she doesn't realize it she insinuates that kirsten has a crush on the rocketeer um based on how kirsten is yeah. looking at him out the window so this is fun. This is like I I I love the porn storyline. I, I do, and I know Lance actually plays a little bit more of a role after that. But like uh, when Julie doesn't have any major conflict and she's just there to provide commentary, it's the best. I love it. That's what we got here. Mm-hmm. She was talk. She was just talking shit to Kirsten about having a crush on Carter, singing the K I S S I N G song in the background, which I thought was hilarious. Oh my god, that whole scene is so funny because it's almost like she's like, oh my god, you know, Julie is struggling with who she is as a human 
She's a she thinks of probably herself as a shit person. So seeing that someone that she puts on such a pedestal, uh, Kirsten, um, you know, having some complicated feelings towards his coworker, like you can tell that like some of her like teasing is because she also feels so gleeful. Okay, mm-hmm. question for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Is Carter attractive? No. His his hair <laughs> reminds me of Bert from Bert and Ernie. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> That's like a very specific <laughs> reference. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it is a specific reference. Uh, I just think it's so weird how just enamored Kirsten is by this guy. It's, it's, it's as if she's never met another dude that's like her age that she's been yeah. time with. I mean, if you were like thinking on a binary level, like he'd be a one. But like, I don't know. He's not anyone <laughs> out of, that out you of, Out of see. 10? No, like binary, like zero or one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm conf- like on a like on a hotness scale. Yeah, well, he's either a zero or no, a one, so that means he is hot. No, I decided like a hotness scale. Like that's too complicated. Just like, are they attractive or not? Yes or no? Binary. One. Yes. So, so, but, saying, so he is attractive. Not, but if I were to put him on a scale from one to ten, he'd be like a five and a half. Right. Okay. Thank you for. I was. I was yeah, so- you might, could have just led with that, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on a binary scale, he's a one. Oh God, the computer loved that shit. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, I mean, you guys, you guys don't simplify and just go down to binaries. Sometimes I do that. The two people that have been in her life that are like around her age and single and that are our men are Jimmy and now Carter, and she's like at least had something with both of them, mm-hmm. which is just I was like, man. I don't know. I just thought that was strange. I don't think Carter is unattractive either. I don't know why she's so enamored with him, but um, I he, is, he, is, he is significantly taller than Sandy. But overall, okay, I, feel I like noticed Sandy that is, too. Overall, but, I feel like Sandy is like a much better like total package. Well, and I think that the things that make that could make Carter attractive, like he's kind of a um, like renegade, and he's into counterculture, and he's artistic and stuff. Like a lot of that, Sandy has. So I don't know. Glad we could sort through that. <laughs> Peter Gallagher is 5'9". Okay. Wow. Hey, he's got BD. That's all that matters. That's, he does. Sandy definitely has BD. <laughs> Big dad energy. Caleb has BDE. Yes. Seth and Ryan both don't, though. Does no. Tra- You're right. Does Trey? No. No. Luke did. Luke Man. totally did. Yeah. So we're back at the store. Trey has made his selections of his uh, child-sized clothes. And as he's leaving, the uh, the ne'er do well worker decides that he looks suspicious. He's like, "I want to look in your bag." And Trey kind of gets defensive. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You know, you, you got to look at it." And so Trey kind of has a little outburst, pours all his clothes out, um, kind of bows up to him. Uh, Ryan <laughs> holds him back, and then he kicks, I think, a sunglasses stand. And doesn't go back to get his clothes or something. I don't know what's going on. But we see the clothes again later. And so I like to think that they did that. And then Marissa came up and was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And like picked it all up and left. Um, That's at least the only thing that I can think about. Um, But the reason he did that was because he saw Trey looking at the $200 watch. um, And made him feel weird. And so he wanted to check to make sure that Trey didn't steal the $200 watch. But Ryan goes back in to talk to Trey about it. Like, come on, dude, you can't do that. What's going on? And Ryan, you know, starts to be playful Ryan and throw the clothes that 
I, we assume Marissa picked back up from the store at Trey mm-hmm. and he finds the watch and the watch is at the bottom of all the clothes. And Ryan, of course, assumes the worst, which I think is fairly reasonable. If the guy just got out of jail for stealing something, you might be like, wait a second. Um, this is like Dylan's this- stream of consciousness podcast. It is. Yeah, it really is. You told me you didn't want me to drag it. And so I'll just, I'll, I'll filibuster, baby. So basically what happens is we get this really great kind of smoking gun moment from Trey where he's like, I did buy it. I went back and got it as a gift for you. And then he pulls out the receipt and he throws it at him. And Ryan realizes maybe he should trust his brother more. And Trey's so <laughs> mad about it, he goes back to Chino. <laughs> That's um, how mad he was. Yeah, he's like, forget this. I'm going to go somewhere where I'm not staying in a pool house. Um so that's kind of what's going on with the Trey, Ryan, Marissa storyline. Um, let's go back to Summer. So Summer is in her room doing Summer stuff. Zach shows up with a box full of things. Summer spills the beans that she knows about Francesca. Wait, that does happen first. No, it doesn't. That doesn't happen. Boy, Strike that. Dylan. Edit it out. Edit it out, dude. Don't worry about it. So basically the only thing that happens is Summer's like, hey, it's so great that you have an Italian girlfriend. Ryan is um, t- taking his eyeglasses off level exasperated right now. This is, yeah, this hey. is just a mess. Uh, <laughs> is, let me just say. This is new. No, yeah, tell it. Just maybe watch the episode next time. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite like line. My favorite thing that happened in these couple episodes was whenever uh, Zach is telling, he's like tries to tell her like he has his girlfriend. She like kicks him out of the room. She just goes, Ariba Dershi. Oh, <laughs> But, okay, Chelsea, another question for you. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this. If you are in that situation that Summer's in where you ditched your boyfriend at the airport to go immediately be with this other guy, Mm -hmm. Seth, and then he gets a new girlfriend on this trip, are you jealous? Are you upset? Are you jealous? Because she says, she does say... I was jealous that 20 minutes after we broke up, you had this new girl. But I'm like, you literally left the airport to go be with this other guy. I would, um, I would feel relief probably because a lot That's of what I thought a lot of why I kind of feel bad like breaking up with people is that I'm like, oh man, they're gonna be like stuck on me. So maybe I just have a really high opinion of myself. I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, that was a shitty thing to do. Like, he was excited about this trip, not just because he wanted to go to Italy. He was excited about spending time with her. I thought it was strange for Summer to have been that jealous that he has a new girlfriend. But also, she's 16, so 17. So, I don't know. Maybe things are different then. Great point. Well, I I mean, while we're here, I want to finish up kind of the Summer Zach stuff. So, Summer has a whole bunch of stuff that Zach left over at her house Mm -hmm. um, when they were dating. So she goes and brings it over to her house. I love the reaction that she gets when uh, Zach's mom answers the door. She truly looks miserable that Summer is there. Yeah, Um, she's not happy. hands all the stuff over. Yeah, um, Summer brings up Francesca and (laughs) Zach's mom is like, who? And then (laughs) things get really dark from there. Turns out that there is no Francesca. Zach actually had a terrible time. He barely left the room. He was clearly not over summer. And um, that complicates things such that the next time Zach shows up, he's like, yeah, I know you talked to my mom. I know what's going on. And that is when he says, look, I thought it would be better if I was quote unquote with someone when I came back. It would make things easier um, on everybody, which I think is it's a it's a good it's a good dude move. 
Um, I don't no, know if it's the it's same not dude, a good move. dude move. He's he's manipulating the situation. He's trying to pull some shit. Like he's trying to get under Summer's skin. He's trying to cause some drama between Seth and Summer. He's lying to them about a fake girlfriend. It's not a good dude move. See, I don't know. I think he's I think he's more well intentioned than that. I don't think he is at all. Oh boy. Okay. Oh. Wow. I think this I think Ryan and fun. I just Ryan and I just switched. This is gonna be a fun thing to watch un- unfold. Yeah. No, I think Seth. I think Zach has a plan to like try and break Seth and Summer back up, or try to get back in there. Hmm. Okay. Let's go hang out with Caleb. Uh, Caleb Please. has decided that he is going to pay uh, the half a million dollars to Lance, or so we think. He shows up at that same motel. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, cool music playing this time, um, and Caleb has a briefcase full of money, all of it, and he gives it to Lance. But then just before he leaves. Um, we find out a couple things. We find out that he hired a really good private investigator to look into Julie, which makes me wonder one, if that's true. Um, and two, if it is, if he actually did know about the porn identity and if so, if he had watched it at any point during their marriage, but, um, right before he actually walks out, he opens the door and there are two very old, but very angry looking men, um, who he has brought with him to, I assume, um, give Lance a massage um, after Caleb already left. And so Caleb says, you know, this is the part where you give me the briefcase back now. And he has what is apparently the last tape and his briefcase full of money. And he leaves Lance um, with his two really buff older friends um, to do whatever it is that they're going to do. Those dudes look like the most stereotypical, like retired boxer guys that like they're oh, there yeah. to beat the shit out of him but also it's just like yeah I, I don't know i feel like i could probably get past them i think i could escape that room if i needed to mm-hmm. so um we're finally at the presentation the launch party for the magazine um and of course because all that's going on not everyone is going to be at the party everyone ends up doing something else it's unclear what what seth and summer are doing because summer is mad at seth because seth told her about francesca I think is the situation there. Yeah, and she's mad just because she's like, you betrayed your friend's trust. You were being a, a shitty person. But yeah, you're right. No. Zach manipulated no. the whole thing. Oh my god, I'm re- I'm saying the situation completely different than you. She's mad because she knew that Seth told her because he wanted to gauge her reaction and see how upset it would make. Oh, her. that's okay. why she's mad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so if, I can buy if Chelsea it. I also, read it also, this is a. Uh, just while we're here, this is the music moment of the episode. Too much love. LCD Sound System is playing in the background of this party. Not a lot of great music in these two episodes, so I had to reach for that one. But <laughs> yeah, I love LCD Sound System. It's the second time they've been on the show. So there you go. So Summer tells Seth pretty much, you need to figure out why I'm mad at you. You need to come up with a reason. Yeah. And if you don't, I'm going to leave or something weird like that. Well, she says, I'm going to go to your room for 20 minutes and you figure out why, why you think I'm mad. And then if you don't, then I'm done. Yeah. So if if Chelsea had been Seth, uh, Summer would have left, it sounds like. Um, so that's kind of what goes on in Seth and Summerland. And Ryan and Marissa decide they're going to go find Trey because Trey has gone back to Chino. Um, they bring up a nice little reminder of, you know, do you remember what happened last time? You know, we went to Chino and Marissa brings up, yeah, I saved. I saved you. That's that's what happened. And so they both go. And um, they're they find Trey at uh, a local bar uh, playing pool, I think, by himself. Reggie's Tavern. And he's smoking a cigarette, which brings something up from the um, from the Julie Cooper and Summer podcast. I thought they were saying that they weren't allowed to show people smoking on TV at this point. They basically said, no, they did basically say you're not allowed to smoke on TV. 
But Trey's a really, really bad boy, so he is smoking. I did think it was strange that they just let Ryan and Marissa just walk into the bar with a door. There's a door guy there, presumably to check IDs, but yeah. he did not check their ID. Well, hey, it's Chino. Um, so Trey does not want to come back, and as Ryan is wont to do, um, Ryan ends up getting in a fight protecting Marissa's honor. Creepy Chino guy keeps trying to convince Marissa that they need to get out of there or that, you know, whatever Chino guys do. Ryan ends up getting in a fight. Trey hears the fighting. His spider sense starts tingling. He puts out a cigarette. He runs inside. And we get the first Atwood Atwood team up fight. Um, and it looks, uh, it looks like they did a pretty good job. They're pretty successful. Um, everyone did a good, had a good time. They all left and they decided to start heading back to Newport. Now, the reason I'm kind of rushing through this is because I want to get to the presentation. I can't believe that I didn't realize that this was going to happen. Like I was, I felt so dumb that I didn't realize uh-huh. that like, Oh, Lance is at the party and there's a porn tape involved. And earlier Kirsten and Carter were editing video for the party. I, I was so mad at myself for not figuring this out ahead of time. I like, I, I gasped when I saw Lance, when Lance showed up at the party. Like I gasped when he just shows Lance's up in his psychopath presence is very <laughs> real. He because he like as we established he doesn't blink i still haven't seen him blink even in this episode mm-hmm. but like whenever he shows up and he's dressed well and he has that big ass creepy smile on his face while also not blinking it's it's <laughs> like some saw stuff yeah and so he's there he's a waiter and um if you're ryan you begin to realize okay things things are getting bad i don't know what's going to happen but it's going to be bad and it turns out what happens is when they're supposed to be playing this video that uh, that the Rocketeer and Kirsten have spent all this time working on, instead, the porn identity comes on. Mm. Um, don't know how you guys felt about that. The line that Julie says in the video that is shown to the crowd is, uh, if I've never had sex before, then why am I so horny? <laughs> That's actually Great the line. outfit of the episode, too, because her... Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Chelsea has been buried in her phone for 20 minutes. She heard me say hoarding and she perked up and go, oh yeah, this is where I need to talk. No, it was really cute because she had that like thing. I guess it was supposed to be a bandage wrapped around her head. Like presumably she hit her head and that's why she can't remember anything. But she has this. Well, and then she has this. Well, it's just like really funny because she has like a karate like band, like head wrap on. She's got a headband. It's silly. And, like, a ponytail over it. It's, like, so perfectly 80s. She has an off-the-shoulder sweater on and, like, a tiered sweater. They just wanted to make that feel as 80s as humanly possible. Yeah, it's wonderful. And they did a really good job making her Mm -hmm. look appear younger, probably just with, like, effects in the video. But, like, they did a good job making her look younger. Um, Something that I think Dylan's gone, by the way. Mm -hmm. One thing that they touched on in uh, in the podcast that she's doing with Rachel Bilson is that and it's something that I think we talked about earlier in season one is that she, Melinda Clark, was 33 when they filmed these episodes. She is literally yeah, our age. she's our age. It's insane. And she has a daughter who, I don't know, I still feel like I look that old. Do I not? <laughs> Maybe I mean, it would be like if they cast you. Guys. It would be like if they cast you, Chelsea, to be like the Julie Cooper character in a, in a show. Ugh, that'd be like so the weird. mom, the, the I'm a cool mom mom mm-hmm. uh, with two daughters. So, yeah. Man, they talk about that a little bit on uh, Welcome to the Podcast, Bitches. Since Dylan's gone, because I'll edit around this. Dylan's gone, everyone. Say bye to Dylan. (laughs) Um, He may have got sucked up into a tornado that I can't even see from my house. I don't know. But yeah, so they play the porn identity up on the big screen in front of everybody, which would have been... 
I know they couldn't have shown like a sex thing happening on the OC, but like it would have. I feel like it would have meant so much more if there was like a sex scene that had been shown to the crowd of Julie. Or Cooper. even just some kind of like they could have gotten creative with it. They could have just shown like her feet in the air, or something like that. They didn't do any yes, of it. Yes, absolutely. They do it on the challenge of the real world all the time. They find ways to work around it. Yeah, just a lot of blankets moving. Or what did they say on the Truman Show? Like they never show anything. They just show the curtains blowing in the wind. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Give me something. Uh, Julie runs away into uh, I, this party's happening at uh, Caleb's house, right? I don't know. It looked it looked like the backyard of the the Cohen's house, but I was I was confused by that as well. It makes more sense for it to be at the. Um, it makes more sense for it to be at the Nichols. Julie runs away and basically, like this was a weird scene with her and Caleb because she's like, "I'm never leaving this room." And Caleb's being like super sweet and is like, this is why you can't depend on people like Lance to do what they say they're going to do, even though we know what the truth is. Yeah. But like, but like Caleb's like massaging her. And he's like, you know, we can go to Europe and there's going to be another scandal sometime. Well, that's my question to you. Do you think that he kind of knew that would happen? Like, why do you think that Caleb, obviously Caleb didn't want to give him that money. That's a shit ton of money. And we're going to find out later this season that Caleb really didn't have that much money anyways. So he couldn't have even who he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But like, do we think that he was just kind of like, that's a risk I'm willing to take? Or or was he kind of trying to sabotage jo- Jolie? Because within the episode, a couple different times, he says, there's nothing that Jolie has done that I don't know about. So again, he says that same line to Marissa in the first season. So I think that's him implying like he knows about Luke. He knows about Jimmy. He knows about everything. I think if we're talking about, especially if we're talking about characters with BD, you're definitely, it is Caleb, but like, I can't tell if he's smarter than he lets on, and he's like, he's also some sort of master manipulator, because I don't know what the end game would be for him to be like, oh, I know she made this porn video, and I faked to fake this paying this guy, like, I don't know what the point of that is, Yeah. other like, than to wh- maybe embarrass, or maybe to have leverage in their marriage, because he knew it wasn't gonna, it wouldn't last, like, we all kind of know it's not gonna last. Well, but. I know, but what would the point be of him having leverage, is, is California like a no-fault state, or whatever, like, I don't even, surely he made her sign a prenup. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that scene read as him not wanting her to find out that it was technically his fault that Lance played the video. Because if he had just paid Lance, I'm assuming Lance wouldn't have paid, played the video. And so he was trying to suck up and be nice to her and be like, let's just get out of town so she'll be away from the whole situation. It's interesting to me that this this is the one episode that me and you have completely different reads on every single situation. But yeah, maybe well that kind of leads me to what the next thing was was um Seth and Summer in Seth's room. Mm-hmm. This had to have been at the Cohen's house because Summer showed up to the party and then said I'll be in your room. So they're oh, in Seth's room. Okay, they go upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, which is strange because I really feel like the movie scene was at Caleb's house, but whatever. That'd be funny if they fucked that up. Mm-hmm. Um Seth basically tells Summer like the levels of who's upset at who and who's jealous of who in this Seth uh, Zach summer triangle are just getting almost too much because he's like, yeah, of course I told you because I knew you'd be upset and you were upset. And summer just goes and lists a bunch of things out. She thinks it's really cute and admirable that, that Seth was jealous, that summer was jealous, that Zach was jealous enough to get a new girlfriend. And so she, she just like lists off a bunch of things that are great about Zach and like a bunch of things that are kind of not great about Seth. And is just like, but I keep coming back to you. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know why she keeps coming back to him. But she does, and they have a, a good moment together where they just like make out on the bed. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with Ryan, Trey, and Marissa coming home to the Cohen's house. 
I thought this was strange because they were like, well, how was the party? And Sandy and Kirsten are like, well, nothing really happened. But I was like, do you tell Marissa at that point that like, hey, we all found out your mom was in a porn tonight? I, I was wondering about that too. I think that they deliberately were like, let's just not tell the kids about it because we don't really know what we want to do with that storyline. So let's just have the kids conveniently not be there and have them just conveniently not find out. Um, have, did I just like zone out whenever we talked about the part where Ryan and uh, Trey get into a bar fight? You did. That's what you do. Okay. Well, just making sure. You want to add anything to that Uh, conversation? Well, I just think that it was kind of, um, it it was one of those things like, oh, we're awkward. We're not feeling it. And then we have, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. Suddenly, uh, Trey sees someone going after his brother, but he turns up. Like, he doesn't just, like, go in and try to separate or, like, throw a punch. He literally, like, garrets the guy. He grabs a pool stick and is like about to beat the shit out of everybody do do we think that that's like foreshadowing now that we've seen him like go ape shit in a store and kick over the sunglass stand and now he's breaking pool sticks and like threatening to beat the hell out of people with it do i think he has an anger issue yeah i think he does yeah like i mean i think that's foreshadowing like yeah he has a loose cannon so even though we can keep his cool together for a few minutes like he still (laughs) should not trust him and also that was completely a reasonable thing of ryan to think that he stole that watch and the watch that he bought was Sandy's money. There was like so much weird about that. I just wasn't feeling. Maybe he did it on purpose to make Ryan mad. I don't know. Maybe, so maybe I, he, I, I assume everyone's terrible in this I don't episode. Know. Well, I, guess. I feel like Ryan, you think that everyone has is like a manipulative master planner in this episode. And I'm just like, no, I'm like taking everything at face value. I do think that Zach is. I think that there's a lot of stuff going on with Zach where he's where I'm like, he's planting some seeds for some conflict on purpose. I don't think he's being earnest at all. I think he's upset about the breakup, but we'll, we'll cover that when it comes up later. Yeah. So what you said earlier about having a group together, this kind of this ending scene here is because um, Seth cool. and Summer come back downstairs mm-hmm. and they are hanging out and Trey is like part of the group. So it's like Seth, Summer, Ryan, Marissa, Trey, Sandy, and Kirsten. It's just a big group hang. And I was like, okay, at this point you're thinking maybe Trey is like a good person. Maybe he's here forever. I don't know. It shows hopeful times to come or leaves you with a little teaser of it but as we know that does not pan out <laughs> insert Imogen Heap song here um, look how quickly we just zipped through that without it it's just great <laughs> no filibuster. that gets us into episode 18 the risky business uh, which features Sandy Cohen on screen for 11 minutes and 27 seconds Dylan do the thing about the risky business the Risky Business originally aired on April 7th, 2005 to 6.8 million viewers, which was a pretty substantial drop. And it was written by Corey Martin. Who's Corey Martin? I don't I don't know. I, I think this is the Perfect. first time we've seen Corey Martin. Okay. Chelsea, take it away. I wish we had more of this Corey Martin guy, because I think this episode was just pure fun. There was like fun motifs mm-hmm. and payoffs in it, much like a Seinfeld episode mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Um... The episode starts out with um, kind of the morning debrief, but this time Trey's included in the mix. And they're all discussing um, action stars that they love. So they talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme. They talk about Steve McQueen. It's kind of a cute, cute scene going on. They needle Ryan a little bit about his relationship with Marissa because clearly they're both single. They've been hanging out. They've been flirting. They kind of want to see what course they're on. And, you know, Ryan's kind of like, well, we're taking it very slow. So something we didn't really touch on in the first episode was that um, there is a lot of Ryan and Marissa stuff going on. Like they're not just mm-hmm. friends. Like they have that conversation where Ryan's like, "We're friends, right?" And he like looks at her and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, and, uh, we're friends." And there's there's clearly clearly we're heading on a path towards Ryan and Marissa romance. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they kind of talk about that, and right as they say that, uh, Kirsten comes in and is like, oh, well, my dad and Julie are on vacation, and the housekeeper got deported. She kind of just, like, throws yes. it out there. She's not even like, oh, this is terrible. She got deported. Like, when you get deported, it's not like you just come back. Like, you are banned from coming back for 10 years. And, like, Kirsten kind of said it flippantly. I found that'll be a little offensive, personally. So... Yeah, the housekeeper got deported. We never learned more about that. I would love to know how that happened. Um, well, and were they putting, like, Marissa's child care onto this housekeeper? Like, what? <laughs> a housekeeper watches a 17-year-old. Well, that's what my question was, was, like, does, she, does the Marissa has there? to come stay. Is, is it indentured servitude? Like, I don't understand what's going on with that. She does say, well, she says, so no one's going to be at the house with Marissa, so she's going to come stay at our house for a week. I was like, hmm. is, Marissa do- is Marissa not wanting like if i'm marissa i'm like i would love to just stay by myself in this giant house for a week yeah maybe she maybe marissa was so marissa was so traumatized by the deportation of her housekeeper she's like i gotta be around people that's 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 (laughs) she has she has bad memories with ice yeah so yeah you're right she doesn't know about the porn thing though so marissa and summer start to have the same type of debrief um, but as they're doing it, uh, you know, right, it's already been revealed that Marissa's going to spend the week there. So, and Summer's kind of looking into her suitcase and she's like, oh, you, you pack some kind of sexy things and pulls out like a little negligee and was like, you, you planning on running into Ryan in the hallway while wearing this? So I thought that was kind of like a cute establishment scene. Um, and meanwhile, in adult world, Kirsten uh, recruits Sandy to fill in for her as the honorary chair a figurehead position of the Newport yard sale. Now this yard sale isn't really a yard sale because for everything that they sell, um, half of it, half the profits go to the owner, but the other half goes to charity. So kind of like a win-win. I don't know. Um, Sandy immediately recruits the boys to help. And Trey obviously does not have a job. So Trey gets sucked into the noopsies. Um, it kind of gave me like very big episode three casino night vibes because again, it's, mm-hmm. you know, an outsider from Chino experiencing like the dr- ridiculousness that is a Newport gala, like for the first time and through his eyes. Mm-hmm. Coming to help set up like a big Newport party. Mm-hmm. I really uh, liked the Sandy, the, the Sandy tray dynamic. I'm really starting to like, and I feel like it's, it's partially because Sandy is kind of I feel like he's kind of in his element when he's helping people like this. And we haven't seen this version of Sandy directly, I think, since, like you said, the Casino Night episode or since the pilot where he's he truly feels like he's able to, you know, take someone, take the fish out of water, kind of like he was when he moved to California. And it was really kind of cool to see that Sandy again. Um, and I just really like that duo. Mm-hmm. The the Sandy g- changes a little bit by the end of this episode, though. He becomes my favorite version of Sandy oh. we've ever seen. When he's getting oh, yeah. all just like uppity about like the napkin holders and stuff. Oh like, my yeah, gosh, that, that <laughs> was so fun. Like that was such a fun flip on the script. Like Sandy took a situation where he was like, what? I have to actually do stuff to getting so into it. And he, make, he makes a joke about like some napkin rings looking like... Um, mm-hmm the Gambino family or something like that and being like, oh, those flowers and those tablecloths clash. And he goes, you really have no one to blame for this but yourself. Like, it's pretty yeah. funny how um. diva-esque he gets. I love any episode that includes Taryn because they they sent Taryn in just to be kind of like the sex-crazed, like, middle-aged cougar woman and she plays it so well. I was thinking was- that whenever they first, whenever Trey first meets um, t- the noobsies, I was like, I think I would have a great time hanging with the noobsies. I would be in heaven. 
Well, Working they would like in a weird, sexy way, just to just yeah. be fun. They would all love you because they would just be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna flirt with him. He's such a sweet, charming guy." Like they would love it. I mean, yeah, I would love it too. <laughs> were they that thirsty for Ryan? I don't remember if they were or not. But did they have a similar reaction to no, Ryan? No, they did not. You're right. You're right. They... He was a pariah. Yeah, huh. he was like the guy from Gino that they brought in. But like Trey just came out of prison, and they're just like, "Oh, Trey." Trey. Yeah, they did a, a total, total 180. Yeah. Progress. I know, I know. Maybe they are progressing. That that speech that Sandy gave them that season, where he was like, "Maybe I'll bring home a black boy next time, or an Asian." Maybe that like sunk in with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I then my next kind of note was like, "It's good to have Zach back. I love him. Ryan's suspicious, but I thoroughly enjoy him." I don't want. I don't want him not on the show. I just think that his motives are not pure. Him and Seth have kind of a sweet conversation because Zach's like, "Yeah, my mom's trying to make me get rid of five, ten of my comic books," and Seth is like being really sweet and he like offers to donate five of his so he doesn't have to get rid of you know ten. And I just thought that was kind of sweet. Um, and of course, you know, gets them back and thinking and talking about their comic book. We flash. We hop back over to the gala. And where Trey is uh, donating his labors for the day. And he comes across the crystal egg from Risky Business. Hmm. And have you guys seen Risky Business? No. I have. Okay, I haven't either. Oh, I was afraid man. I was going to be the only one that's you never guys, seen it. It's really I've weird. I've seen one scene from it. I, the weirdest scene he, where he dances in his underwear. Oh, no, where he accidentally uh, forgets to put the car in park and it goes into the river. Isn't that Ferris Bueller? That's Ferris Bueller's day yeah. off, bro. No, no, that's that's when he forgets to put the car in park and it flies out of the garage. This is the one where the car just slowly goes into the river. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't remember that scene. Yeah. I, there is a weird scene where he and the hooker, like, I think they, like, fuck on a subway for, like, hours. Okay, I remember that scene, too. Yeah, and it's the weird music in the background. Okay, First I remember of all, hang on. Chelsea watches movies in the same way she does this podcast. She's like, I don't know. I zoned out. Yeah. Uh, but also, Dylan, that's, like, the second thing in this movie now that you're just like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Like, I think you've seen this movie. I think I may have. I don't remember the yeah. egg. That's the thing I don't remember. I mean, it's kind of just a silly, like, I mean, the egg is just, like, sitting on their mantle, but basically he's this high school student, and he basically turns his house into a brothel while his parents are out of town. It's kind of a silly movie. But I do like it because it's so Josh Schwartz to incorporate 80s movies, uh, motifs, and references into it. So I, I, again, that was just, like, something so fun about this episode. But I actually mm-hmm. like this. I've never seen the movie, but I like the way they're handling their like homage to risky business so much more than I did like the Spider-Man Upside Down kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady is such a bitch that Trey is dealing with. Like he's moving this god awful ugly ottoman, and he's carrying it in a very strange way. He's carrying the ottoman like it's a backpack or like a small child. Like I, I personally would not move furniture in that manner. But I mean, go off. Uh, he's like, he's like, so what is this? And the lady's like, oh, that's an antique ottoman. It's worth thousands of dollars. And he's like, well, why are, why is someone selling it then? And she goes, oh, because like, it's hideous. And it's like, okay, like this is, this is going to go over well. Um, but then he recognizes the crystal egg and he's like, what is this? And you can just tell his face lights up and she starts to talk about it. And he's just like, his eyes are twinkling and he goes, that's so cool. That so cool. I thought that was an interesting scene. What did you guys think about it? That's, the, that's where she also has the comment where, where he goes, how much, this must be worth millions. This must be priceless. She goes, well, it appraised for $10,000. And he goes, it is a fortune. And she goes, she kind of has this scene where she goes, hmm. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't know who this noopsie is, but I am in love with her energy. I'm in uh-huh. love with her. I would date her. I love her. She's so dismissive <laughs> and just like kind of oblivious. I I liked it. 
Um, oh my god, she's she's everything I need. She's incredible. She's she's cute, and she's just like she expecting rich things, and I can't provide that. I would love to be bitched at by her for that. Um, the next thing I wrote Step is on me. Marissa and Ryan both waking up early and bumping each other into each other in the kitchen is a total vibe. Mm-hmm. You guys have felt it mm-hmm. before. You guys have been at a sleepover where someone has like a older sibling with a friend that you're kind of crushing on and you guys kind of accidentally run into each other um the only part i thought was really cringe was like obviously they're vibing but it's like you guys are very familiar with each other you guys dated for a while but like marissa's hand is kind of sitting on the counter and ryan's hand is like inches away from it and i just i don't know i don't like moments like that i think it just gives me anxiety like i wish that they would just kind of like yeah just do it or don't do it is is this before or after we have that girl with the pearl earring scene where Ryan opens the door to the pool house, Marissa's like, it's nothing you haven't seen before. Is that after this? this? After that, that was before this, I think. Yeah, that was before yeah, this. So that was right when Marissa shows up and they realize that Trey's no longer living. They've done a lot of switching around the pool house in the last two episodes. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of hanging out. Ryan's our brother. I said Ryan's brother. Trey comes downstairs and he's like, oh yeah, I better get to apartment hunting. You know, sorry for interrupting. And Marissa offers, you know, she's like, oh, I actually know of a vacant apartment thinking about uh, Alex's. So she takes him out there and they're looking at it. And I guess that uh, because she knows that uh, Trey doesn't exactly have a ton of money, she suggests that he become the property repairman. And the owner is actually kind of into it. Yeah. I have a lot of questions here. Going back to the kitchen scene. Uh, I agree with you. I wish Ryan Marissa would just like make out weird. Weird. He was like inching his hand towards her, and like it seemed like he was gonna make a move, which I think is a weird thing to do in the morning. Like I feel like that's a nighttime. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Like what um, if she didn't even brush her teeth yet? Definitely, I thought about that Valid. too much. Um, but like, are we to be- again? Are we to believe that all three of them woke up at six a.m. on a Saturday, and it was just like, well, I guess we're up at six a.m. and they just went into the kitchen. Like that's so just weird to me. I would never. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if six a.m. and I wake up, I'm not getting out of bed till at least nine a.m. Um, why is Trey looking for apartments? He doesn't have a job. Why is he looking for apartments? He doesn't have any money. Yeah, you have to get a job before you can get an apartment. They always ask for like proof of income. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> I just thought it was weird that he's like, well, like last episode he's looking for a job. He didn't find one. And this episode is like, well, I'm going to get an apartment now. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that he just puts his name and phone number on that application too. Because he's trying to become the, like the, like assistant manager of the apartment complex, I guess that he's. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of what I didn't get. And maybe this kind of bleeds into the phone call that he gets later from the, uh, from the, the landlord. But like. Dude, you don't have to hire him to to do the job. Just like let him stay in that place and just do odd jobs for you. Like I didn't really get. I mean, I get why he didn't want him there, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that just that whole thing didn't make sense to me because it's like, well, we did a background check on you and you went to prison, so we're not going to give you a job title. It's like, okay, that that's well, fine, that doesn't but, make, but we still want you in our apartment. That doesn't make sense. So like, yeah. oh, you're going to put a criminal who doesn't have any income, and that's cool. But you're not going to give him a way to earn income like i don't know it was weird yeah that whole scene also reminded me that no matter how cool gen z thinks that they are they will never experience the joy of listening to someone else's conversation on the phone when you have a landline on the other line they'll never get to experience oh, are you talking that. about when he turns so, them down and marissa happens to like listen in yeah so keep making your so TikToks, kids. I, my theory, I guess, I mean, it's not really a theory. It's pretty obvious. But, like, Marissa just kind of keeps Trey's secrets just because she knows how disappointed Ryan's going to be to find out that 
Trey's up to shenanigans. So she's just trying to protect him and she's trying to just like keep Ryan from getting hurt. Um, do mm-hmm. you think that that was the right thing of Marissa to do or? Too many people in these episodes are overreaching into other people's business. Yeah. And if I'm Marissa and I hear that conversation, I just pretend like I never heard that conversation. And if Ryan comes up later, be act surprised. If Ryan's like, oh, my God, Trey didn't get that apartment after all. I'll be like, what? I didn't know that. Like, there's no need to, to insert yourself into the situation. Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. every t- first of all, I feel like that's a very Ryan and Marissa thing to do. It's a very Ryan season one where he kind of is determining what Marissa should and shouldn't know. Um, and that it's, it's just, it's, it never ends well for any characters, especially for Ryan and Marissa. Um, so the next scene, we hop back to the gala preparations and, um, this is all, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, uh, Sandy gets super into it. He's barking orders at the ladies. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. And Kirsten and Carter show up. And I want to know what you guys thought about this conversation because like right off the bat, Sandy's like, Carter, Hey, you know, Hi. He's he's like he's like you know long weekends and late nights with my wife. Like I just thought that was a little bit out of character for Sandy. But then but then Carter says something like, "Oh yeah, I hear we have a lot in common. Like I'm excited to be friends." And then they kind of like cheers their drinks. Like I I I just didn't really get that interaction. I thought Sandy was just being kind of jokey, and Carter kind of saved the situation by not making it weird. We forgot to mention or something that I thought was interesting was whenever Kirsten is is trying to get Sandy to do this whole like chair the yard sale thing. She's mm-hmm. like basically convinces him by saying you'll have a microphone like you will have power over the room. You get to talk to an audience. And I was yeah. like every everyone in the show is just they need they all need to quit their jobs and just become like television host or event host because they're all <laughs> incredible at it. And that's yeah. what they want to do, yeah. clearly. Sandy crushes it. Yes. Yeah, he's amazing. They're all amazing. They have no fear of public speaking. They don't say um or like. Sometimes when I'm listening back to our podcasts, I'm like, ah, Chelsea, you sound like you know. a 16-year-old girl. Carter meets uh, Seth and Zach, and um, somehow the idea of the graphic novel com- comes up again. Like, I think he's like, oh, your mom said you're really into comics. You know, he kind of mentions, like, I actually have some connections. So Seth kind of uh, floats it by Summer, but Summer is totally out. Um, do we think it's unfair that Summer is so against it? Like, to me, it's a productive hobby that could lead to some success. Is that wrong of Summer to kind of be so against it? I could see Dylan's like damn bursting like about to overflow. I feel like you have a lot of thoughts on the graphic novel comic book situation. I will just say I don't think I truly don't think that it's unfair for Summer to do this. I am like they've been down this road before. Mm -hmm. It did not work out. Zach does not need to. Zach needs to no longer be a part of this. Like you don't need to be working with Zach on a project. She's your ex boyfriend. He's working on a project with your current boyfriend. You guys just broke up. He's already lied to you about a new ex. He is manipulating the situation. He is encouraging Seth to create this comic book because he knows what's going to happen. He knows it's going to cause some drama. That's what the situation is. But it's also very strange that Carter, out of nowhere, this character who's only existed to (laughs) flirt with Kirsten, out of Mm -hmm. nowhere, is just like, oh, by the way, I have connections at a comic, Mm -hmm. another comic book. Like they know so many people with so many connections to comic book places i just don't believe it and he later he literally comes by their house later to say like oh i set up a meeting for you and he's like like, he hasn't even seen it it could be total shit like so do we think that carter is trying to like worm himself in because there's two ways that it could go with this like because i think that he has earnest like connections and stuff in common with um sandy and then, you know, with Seth, like, that's kind of a cool thing. Like, an adult that you know takes an interest in what you're doing in a very non-creepy way and kind of tries to help you out. I think those are all really cool things to do. 
Thank you for including non-creepy. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not done yet. So I, it's very strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't believe that Carter's motives are bad. I think they literally just needed uh, like a bridge to get from A to C. And they were like, well, Carter's not doing anything in this scene. So he'll be the person that has comic book connections. Like, you know, like he's just a character in the show that we can use to get this storyline going with Zack Summer. Well, but Seth. it also makes sense because he does publishing, you know, for counterculture. So that seems to make sense. For counterculture. Yeah. Specifically well, I for just them. mean like not, I mean, he, <laughs> he's like not working for people or whatever. He does kind of ideas. things. What, what is it called? The Ugly American was his magazine. Yeah. And Sandy describes him as the publisher of the newspaper for the left wing of Berkeley, which I thought was everyone there. But He's the liberal Alex Jones. Gay bomb. Is what it sounds like. Boy, I can't wait to use that Alex uh, Jones drop again. Every cringe. time. All right, Dylan, say your thoughts about graphic novels and comic books. The thing that was kind of annoying to me is the distinction between a comic book and a graphic novel. Um, oh just, just simply because ninety percent, ninety five percent of graphic novels are literally just compiled comic books. Like a graphic novel is, I have a, a, a the volume one of the Sandman graphic novel that's literally just issues one through seven that came out, you know, sequentially. One of the most famous graphic novels of all time um, Watchmen. is Watchmen. But yeah, Watch, we all got it. But Watchmen we all came out. But Watchmen came out as individual comic book issues. So it may be a graphic novel, but it came out as comic books. When I think of graphic novel, just in the way that they're talking about it, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you know John Lewis actually wrote um, a series of graphic March. novels. March. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's on, you should I do comic book. I have both of those um, novels on my, uh, in my big living room shelves. But like with with March, it all came out at the same time as a a novel told in graphic comic form. Um, but this whole thing about it's not a comic book, it's a graphic novel. But it sounds to me like all he's doing is he's going to tell the story of Atomic County that he would have told in a comic book, but just release it all at once. So Summer, I agree it's a distinction without a difference, but that's not even a comic book minute. That's just Dylan talking minute. Uh, moving on to, I guess, like the meat of the episode is definitely this whole caper where um, Trey steals the crystal egg and get, gets found out. I just don't understand how he thought he could get away with it because everyone would realize that the egg is missing and he would immediately suspect number one. Like he picked he the just... most expensive item and the most exciting item. It was that he was looking at and saying, this is awesome. That is so like, cool. yeah. Yeah. like he was also when they when they find out about it, when Ryan notices it's gone and he goes to Marissa and she's like, and she puts it together. She's like, oh, Trey stole it. He's like, yeah, Trey stole it. And then Trey just kind of walks out. He's like, yep, I stole it, basically. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I like, did why it. Is he, money. Why is he even still there? Like, if, I feel like if you stole it and you sold it, why are you even hanging out at the scene of the crime? Yeah, <laughs> stupid. But basically, uh, Ryan is they're like, okay, we got to fix this. They take his money. Uh, Trey wants to come. And they're like, no, you've caused enough trouble. You got to stay here. So Sandy is crushing his MC job and Marissa and Summer kind of just appear on stage and Sandy knows something's up, but he's like, okay, I'm just going to roll with it. We can't make a scene here. So the girls kind of act as his assistant and they just try to slow down the um, auction as much as they, as they can while Ryan and Seth go on this adventure to get the egg back. I just love this whole segment. They have the music going. It's very exciting. It all ties together with the beginning of the episodes when they talk about action stars because they have kind of a mini action segment going on. 
Um, but they go to this like fences house, which I don't even know how Trey was able to locate him. Um, whilst, uh, Adam Brody is doing his whole, like, uh, rambling, like improv bit, Ryan sneaks in the back and steals the egg. Who are these? Okay. Are we, I thought that there was some illusion that these dudes might be like a couple. (laughs) I wrote, I wrote down uh, bulk and skull and they're really angry at one point. They get t- so sick of Seth talking that they say, let's, let's kill, kill this guy, this man. Kid. Let's kill him. <laughs> let's kill him. Um, oh. So they're kind of intercutting it with the auction and like Sandy's crushing it. He's a regular out in Brown. He is like running this show. They sell all <laughs> kinds of stuff. It's pretty exciting. Marissa and um, Summer do their thing. They try to slow it down. Summer sells her shoes. They auction off the... <laughs> so um, <guy. laughs> Yeah, they auction off the boys, and, like, of course, they show Taryn, and her eyes get all twinkly, and she's really excited about bidding on the boys. Um, the timing totally doesn't r- line up, though, because as soon as Sandy announces the gold, the crystal egg, that's, like, right when they show them fighting for it. And everyone knows that in L.A. it takes, or in anywhere in California, it takes so long to drive to. Mm-hmm. So the segment minutes. didn't work three? out, but whatever. TV magic. <laughs> Did you guys find it to be as highly unlikely as I did that Ryan throws the crystal egg and Seth somehow does this like heroic like run backwards and just catches it in the air? Uh, dude, it had incredible. I, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. The it had amazing like David Tyree energy. The Super Bowl where Eli Manning drops back and throws it and he had, sticks it to his helmet as he falls down. Like it's mm-hmm. the most improbable catch ever. And I just felt like, yeah, Seth had that had that level of just like, I don't know how this happened, but here we are. But you're like going for it, though. You are rooting them on. It's one of the most fun scenes in the OC of this season mm-hmm. so far. I know Ryan won't be able to answer this, but Chelsea, you might be able to answer this. Based on how that was shot and how it feels, I would assume that there's a similar scene in Risky Business. Um, I actually don't think so. Oh. I don't know. It's it's been a while since I've seen the movie, and like Ryan says, I, I tune in, I tune out. You know, terrible. Um, the outfit of the episode is in the scene, and it's Seth's very weird, stiff tan suit. Do you guys have suits like that? Uh, wait, what was it? Seth's very weird, stiff tan suit. Stiff tan. Um, it's yeah, like it's very stiff, stiff, stiff and it's tan. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I got to tell it's you right now, it's a tan stiff suit. I personally, along with my friends at Anonymous Eagle, um, would never wear a tan suit. Um, Barack we Obama is the kind of person to, to wear a tan suit. And I would never do that. I have more respect for my country and myself. Yes, I have a tan suit. I do not have a tan uh, suit. I only go is black it stiff, and white. Though? What, you have a white suit? No, I only go. I only wear like black oh. suits with a white shirt and black tie. That's all. I, I will never even change the color of my tie. It's black and white everything. Yeah, it's because you enjoy the um, youth pastor aesthetic <laughs> yeah that's right you're the final mormon that that they have to fight uh marissa's dress like earns a shout out too that uneven hemline and drop waist like i mean i had a million of those dresses from charlotte Russe, but now i look at it and they make it cr- me cringe like the ones i was getting from charlotte Russe were like 18.99 <laughs> and i'm sure marissa's came from a legit designer and it looks like it's 18.99 from charlotte Russe also I think we just lost a lot of our Charlotte Roos listeners. Oh, it's okay. I used to be one of them. It's better than the buckle. Um, so obviously, Sandy knows something fishy's going on, so he kind of calls the boys out for it. He's like, I don't know what happened. I know it has to do with Trey. You should have, you know, you should have let me know. I would have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally agree. I mean, I think this was 
I mean, last episode should have should have made that clear, but Trey is a completely different level of problematic that teenagers just aren't ready to handle. Like they're in over their heads. Um, and then I really liked the scene where um, Kirsten gets the tea set that Marissa brought, which I forgot to mention when Marissa was in the basement looking for that tea set. Did you guys notice that green lamp that's kind of like in the middle of the scene? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's this golden green lamp, and it just made me laugh because everyone I knew's dad had that in their office. Oh, the the lawyer lamp. That's the green. Yes. It's like the flat one with the green and the gold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually have one of those. My dad had one of those lamps, and I took it too. Oh my god! Yeah, my dad had one of those. Everyone had one of those lamps, and I was like, that was like the perfect relic to stick in there. Mm-hmm. But Kirsten ends up buying the tea set, and Marissa's like, oh my god, I had no idea it was yours. I would have just brought it to you. And Kirsten was like, no, you know, it was my mother. She would have been really, really proud that it was auctioned off for charity. So I thought that was a sweet shout out. They don't talk about Kirsten's mom very often. But that was so, that was to me very random. Like the randomness of Kirsten's suddenly like, oh shit. She sees the tea set when when Marissa walks it in. And then she feels the need to bid on it. And then she's like, oh yeah, it was my mom's. But I'm like, what was the point of that? Like, I felt like it was going to well, go somewhere. Like, maybe in a future episode, there's something with the tea. Like, literally, that was it. Uh, just so that Kirsten, like, you know, could donate some money. She was probably planning on buying something there anyways. And it just made it more special that, like, oh, I got this in a, a thing. Um, but Marissa and Ryan are kind of having a nice moment out in the backyard. Again, they're sitting really close. They, like, almost kiss. And then Marissa's phone goes off, and it's her mom coming to pick her up. Yeah, she's coming back, like, like six days early from her from her trip, apparently. There's kind of the global idea that I, I've mentioned a couple times on on some of these episodes, but I I know Ryan does. I don't know if Chelsea does, but I like to watch these with subtitles. And oh, I do too. Yeah. I feel like there is a code that 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 we need to crack. I don't know what it is, but there are random times where the subtitles are very different and distinct from the dialogue. I think. In the last episode, there was a point where whenever Summer is shooing Zach out of her room and talking about how live music hour, the subtitles said TRL. Don't know why. And this time, whenever uh, Seth was talking about being uh, all camp uh, capture the flag uh, champion at Camp Takaho, uh, they called it Camp Taco, which I don't think, I just think that's because they didn't hear what Seth said. But pay attention to the subtitles because I, I it's like they're telling a different story sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating because we're seeing Bizarro OC. Do you know that one of my one of my, my first job out of college I was working at a TV station and um we had we got the it was the same year the Thunder came to Oklahoma City, so we had the Thunder contract for, for the first nice. for, for a couple of games before they were hundred mm-hmm. percent with Fox Sports. Anyway, uh, one of my jobs yeah. became during Thunder. I got to cover a lot of Thunder games. Like I got to go with media passes in that first two seasons, which was great. But also one of my jobs was uh, when they would do the live pregame and postgame, I would have to sit in this room and like type as they're talking, like clo- type the closed captions out like in oh, real time man. because it's a live oh, show. Oh, wow. That sounds so hard. Uh, yeah. I forgot to mention that the, uh, again, not a strong music episode, but um, mm. when Seth and Ryan are in Seth's room talking about Marissa coming to live with them, uh, they're playing Banquet by Block Party, which I feel like they play again at some episode in the future when it's much more prominent, mm. but uh, Block Party, great band that we basically forgot about because that was 15 years ago. Whoa, yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Hot Hot Heat, which I also haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, me either. Wow. Oh, man. 
Well, everyone got a taste of what this podcast would be like if I was not a member of it. And so make sure that you hit us up at Cohenspod at gmail.com to let me know if you preferred that or if you do want me to stay. Because as much as I love myself, I just want this podcast to be it was, fun. It for was everybody. more fun and it was quicker. It would be, our pod would be about half the yeah. length. But, you know. My mom loves it so much. And well, so we're doing it. We're we'll, gonna, we'll keep doing it for your mom. Oh, Thank you. We she love, loves we it. We love mom and Papa Irwin too. I need to send you all. At some point, I'm going to start reading these texts about my, my mother is obsessed with Chelsea. She oh, she knows yeah. she knows she who needs, you she are. Needs a guest, she needs a guest spot on the show. Oh my gosh! Do, but done Mother's she, Day. Hey, yeah. By the way, um, if you're listening, if you're listening to this episode, um, y- and you're just now realizing about Mother's Day, you forgot to get your mother something. Um, so quickly go and try and make up for it. But Mama um, Irwin should be on the show. Your dad needs to be on the show to talk oh, about music. Oh, Gary needs to be on too. And he, yeah, whenever we do another music episode, Gary will be on it. <laughs> just the Gary Hour. <laughs> I love it. But we need to fit, we need to do the record the entire thing live in Ryan's parents' house. Oh yeah, here for we it. Don't. That's we what we need do. to do that. But um, I know that Ryan is going to prompt me to say this, uh, so I'm just going to say it right now because it's important now more than ever. Everybody, rate, review, share us with your friends. We're getting closer and closer to that first page. More people are searching OC right now than ever before. And if you search OC right now, first thing that comes up obviously is welcome to the podcast, bitch, but, or bitches, excuse me, plural, but you can see the little corner sliver of our show on the second page. But yeah, can you, you can. imagine you can see a little glimmer of it. Can you imagine if that was on that same page? And you all could make that happen for us. You could make our dreams come true. And the way you do that is by leaving us a rating. More importantly, leave us a review. Please and thank you. And if you want to find us online, you can email us, coincepot at gmail.com, as uh, Dylan already said, or on Instagram, where Chelsea's doing things like making TikToks. Uh, it's cross-platform promotion. Uh, Instagram.com. Uh, it's at, I'm sorry, it's just Instagram.com slash. We are at Coenspod. C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Find us on Instagram, and we will probably talk to you. Anything else? We're heading yeah. into the dark, the dark episodes, the spooky episodes next next week. It's yes. spooky, it's spooky, spooky season. season. Uh, we'll see you for that next week, and goodbye. Fare thee well. 